Good morning. We're on. Excellent. It is such a privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, thank you so much for having me and my wife here. And um, yeah, we're just looking forward to what God's got for us uh, as he's already been speaking, which is great. Uh, as Andrew said, I'm from Woking, from the Coin Church there, and uh, I'm married to Juliana. We've been married just over uh, 14 months now, so it's kind of still in early days. We're loving it, though. It's been an exciting uh, journey so far. Juliana's from uh, North Carolina in America, and uh, we met in Turkey, and, uh, and now we're living here. So we're just trying to make it as complicated as possible, um, but we're getting there, which is great. Uh, she's a teacher, she's a primary school teacher, and uh, I'm a youth worker at The Coin. And uh, I've been leading the youth team there for about just over nine years now. And uh, I think back to the first kind of year that I was in youth work. And I was going into a secondary school, and a school's called Winston Churchill. And I'd go in every lunchtime, uh, every week, and I'd be speaking to just students around, and speaking to some year sevens who are kind of about 11, 12 years old. And one of them said to me, and this was about 10 years, almost 10 years ago now, so I was about 22 at the time, and I said, how old are you? To which I replied, dangerous question, how old do you think I am? <laughs> this year seven girl then turned to me and she said, I don't know, about 40? I was like, I said, is that because of my receding hairline? She said, no, it's because of your face. So... <laughs> I'm really sorry, but that's the face that you've got in front of you this morning, We'll just have to deal with it, but there we go. This morning, we're carrying on a series that you're going through as a church, uh, through the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians in the New Testament. And if you're new this morning, and this is your first one here this morning, that's great, because it's my first one too, so you're not alone. This is a letter from a man named Paul to a church in the city of Thessalonica. This was the largest and most important city of Macedonia at the time. And Paul's history was that he was a Jesus and Christian hater, a man who was obsessed with demolishing any mention of the name of Jesus, any growth in the church of Jesus, and would do anything to take down its leaders and the people associating themselves with this name. However, God had different plans for Paul. You can read about that in the book of Acts. He had good plans for him, plans to reveal the truth of Jesus to him and change his heart for the church. Maybe God's got plans to do something like that with some of us here this morning. Suddenly, after an encounter with Jesus, Paul went from being a church destroyer to a church builder, a Jesus hater to a Jesus worshipper. He went from a rule follower to a grace receiver. Paul's life was turned around in a moment by Jesus. And so just a few years later, after learning and growing as a Christian, he started to love local churches, to lead them and to care for them. And this letter is to a church that he cares deeply about. He's passionate about the people in this church. He's wanting to build them up and to help them. In fact, this church has been through some persecution itself, and Paul's joy is evident, as I'm sure you've found as you've gone through this letter. It's evident that they are persevering, that they are remaining faithful, and he's reminding them of the hope that is to come for those who believe. 
that there is a day coming when Jesus will return to take his followers home with him. That a glorious and exciting hope of eternal life is in store for those who believe in the name of Jesus. And so that's where we get to this morning. We're at the, towards the end of the letter. And before we read these verses, maybe you don't feel like you can... Uh, you feel like you, you don't feel you can agree with necessary where the church is at. Maybe you don't feel persecuted this morning. Maybe you do. Maybe as you sit here this morning, you're feeling tired. And if we're honest, maybe slightly uninterested. You might have been going through this letter over the past number of months and you're wondering, well, really, who cares? Who really does care, actually? Who, who's caring about me and my situation? That's great that Paul cared about this church so much that he wanted to write this letter. But who cares about me? Does God really care about me? Maybe you've been serving in this church for years and years. And you're wondering, has anyone noticed? Does anyone care about what I've given up and what I've sacrificed? What I've poured into this church? Maybe you're new to church this morning and you're checking this out. And you're wondering, will this church really care about me? Does God really care about me? And the answer is a resounding yes. Yes, he does. He cares about you. He cares about this church. And there's a way that God wants us to care for each other. And the answer is found in you and me and in this local church. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to 1 Thessalonians Uh, It's going to come up on the screen if you don't have a Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and uh, we're going to read, we're going to start from verse 11, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Let's just start this morning, why don't you just turn to the person next to you and just say, your singing really encouraged me this morning. There we go. We're already building each other up and encouraging each other. That's good. Verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers, warn those who are lazy, comfort the discouraged, help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Let me pray and uh, we'll dig into this passage. Lord Jesus, we love you. We find you absolutely breathtaking, Lord. And we're amazed that you would care about us. But you do. And Lord, thank you for displaying that love and that care on the cross. Lord, thank you for the songs that we've been singing this morning, Lord God. Lord, we long for more of you. We long for more of your spirit in our lives, Lord God. We long to know your care and your love over our lives afresh this morning. Lord, I pray over every situation in this room. Pray over every person, Lord, as they've come, whatever their situation this morning. Lord, come and speak to us. Come and show us your heart afresh this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
I, uh, I really enjoy watching American football. It's, it's a good job I'm married to an American. Uh, does anyone else enjoy American football? It's, there's a couple. There's a few. That, that's good. If, if you don't enjoy it, don't switch off here. It's all right. We're, we're going to get to the passage. As I've uh, watched American football, as I've got into it, I've understood that there are three, along with many others, there are three big aspects to a successful American football team. The first is... Protect your quarterback. Protect your quarterback at all costs. He is the leader of the team. He's the one who gets, he's pretty much the only one who gets to throw the ball. All of the team's drive and attack in play comes through the quarterback. He's the playmaker. If you want to be a successful team, you must, as a team, protect and look after your quarterback. If the team doesn't protect the quarterback, then they will either end up broken and beaten Or the quarterback just won't trust the team. The quarterback can't lead the team if they won't protect him and care for him. And although the quarterback may be the face of the team, he's nothing without the team. And his whole goal is to lead the team to win games and win the championship. Using the skills and talents within the team to the best of his ability. So number one, protect the quarterback. Number two, as a team... You are a band of brothers. The team is a band of brothers. Often American football teams will talk of the brotherhood of a team. How actually they're willing to lay their bodies on the line for each other. That they are willing to risk injury and pain for the sake of each other. They push each other to greater heights, encouraging and challenging each other. They do everything they can for each other. That they all move forward as a team. If this doesn't exist, the team will be left exposed and risk even bigger injuries to teammates. Number one, protect your quarterback. Number two, a team is a band of brothers. Thirdly, as an individual, you need to know your role and keep yourself fit. The role of any individual in a team is that you must keep yourself fit. You must train hard and do all that you can to be ready for a game. You also then need to learn your role, whether that's learning the routes that you run or whether that's learning the opposition that you're up against, who's gonna, the challenges that you're going to be facing. You need to learn your role and prepare yourself to the best that you can. And in this letter that we're reading this morning, Paul is writing to this church. And like I might be telling an NFL team, This is how to build a successful team, even though I've never played it and probably don't know much about it in reality. Actually, Paul knows everything about churches. And he's writing to them and giving these how to build a successful church. How to build a successful church family. Except his are a little bit different. Protect and care for your quarterback. Care for your leaders. Band of brothers. The team is a band of brothers. Care for each other. And thirdly, know your role and keep yourself fit. Care for yourself. So there are the three things that we're going to look at this morning. Care for your leaders, care for each other, and care for yourself. Care for your leaders. Without leadership, a family falls apart. We see that all around us. Maybe you yourself have experienced that. Leaders have the potential to do us good and do us harm. We've probably all experienced both good and bad leadership, whether in the church or in the workplace or in the home. 
No one gets it right 100% of the time. However, Paul's encouragement to us is to honor and to love the leaders that are leading us. Hebrews 13 verse 7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I wonder if you've ever done anything where you've served others, maybe you've led something or led a group of people and felt undervalued. You felt unappreciated. Maybe you felt like those you're leading and putting all of your effort into don't know or understand all the effort that you've put into organizing and leading. If they'd seen the tears, the restless sleeping, the care and concern that you had for them, has anyone ever felt like this, or is it just me? Maybe just, There's a few, yeah. I thought there might be. Leadership in the church is a truly remarkable gift. And it says in here, those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you. It says, give recognition. Esteem them very highly because of their work. Those who labor, those who toil, those who grow weary through their work who put in big effort into their work, also known as church leaders, to those who care for this church, for those who put in countless of unseen hours, who work tirelessly to grow and feed this church, to those who have known tears of pain and joy over this church, to those who grow weary through serving and leading this church and yet carry on, give recognition. Esteem them very highly because of their work. Paul wanted to remind the church that leadership is an amazing gift. Our leaders are so vital to all that we do and achieve in God. They are precious in God's sight. And used by God to bring growth and protection and vision. Here's five ways we can honor leaders well. Firstly, love them. Love your leaders. Care for them. Care for their needs. Love your leaders in this church. Care for their needs. Secondly, esteem them highly. Speak highly of them to others. Maybe as you walk around this town, as you're speaking to people that you work with, talk about leadership in this church highly. Esteem them highly. Honor them. Appreciate them. Recognize their hard work. Thirdly, pray for them. Commit to praying for the leadership here. And their families. Their success is your success. Your success is their success. Their leadership matters to the fruitfulness of this church. Fourthly, be generous to them. Invite them for dinner. Consider their needs. Be generous to them. And fifthly, thank them. Thank them for the small things and the big things. They carry you in, your heart, in their hearts. In fact, this morning, maybe you've sent your kids off. And they're enjoying whatever they enjoy down there or wherever they are. I'm not sure quite where things are in this building. But wherever they are, they're enjoying themselves. When you go down, why don't you just thank the kids' work leaders? They're doing a great job serving your kids. In fact, if you're here this morning, and maybe you'd normally be on kids' work, but you're here this morning and you're just in, can you just stand for me? Or if you're involved in youth work, or if you're a small group leader, can you stand as well? Or if you lead a ministry, Or lead worship. Can you just stand for me? That is great, isn't it? I know I'm not a part of this church, but on behalf of this church, I just want to say thank you 
Thank you so much for all of the hard work that you put into this church. Thank you for just loving this church, loving this community. Thank you for giving up hours and hard work, putting tears into your work. Thank you. This church wouldn't be what it is without you. Can we just give them a round of applause? Can we thank them? You can take a seat. Thank you. I know John's not here this morning. Andrew and Andrew, can you just stand as well for a moment? These are the elders of this church. They've had the joy of meeting. I just want to say on behalf of this church, thank you. Thank you for just serving this church so, so well. Thank you for protecting it. Thank you for feeding it. Thank you for shepherding it. Thank you for loving this church and just building it. Building a church in the town of Alton. That's great. Can we just thank these guys as well? We want to work hard to care for our leaders. Take time to thank them. Take time to be generous to them, to love them. Thank you so much, all who just work hard in this church and lead. Secondly, care for others. Care for your leaders. Now care for others. We come to these instructions at the end of verse 13 and 14. Paul is writing this letter to the whole church, not just to the leaders. He's not telling the leaders to think highly of themselves and recognize their own labor. He's telling the church, recognize their labor. And Paul doesn't change his audience in the following verses. His instructions are to be at peace among yourselves. Warn those who are lazy. Comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Paul wrote to another church in a letter in the Bible called 1 Corinthians and wrote to them, God has put the body, that's the church, together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. The church is one body. Many parts, but one body. We're all pulling towards the same goal of helping people to know Jesus and to grow in their understanding and in their faith of him. Our temptation is that those who are leaders, who we employ in churches, we expect to do all of the work of the church. That because they're paid, they should do it all. But we are one body. We're the family of God. Each of us have a role to play. Do you know this morning, you have a role to play. Just turn to the person next to you and say, you have a role to play. You can say it louder. Turn to the person on the other side. You can say, you have a role to play. As you, you, you can tell I'm a youth worker, can't you? I just like, love interaction. As you work together as a church, as you look to achieve all that God's called you to together, as you reach out to this community and to this town, you do so as one body. Where one part of the body goes, we all go. And so as you go into your workplace, we're going with you. As you go into your family, actually this church goes with you. We're one body. Caring for each other is vital as you look to care for the town and introduce people to Jesus. You are this band of brothers and sisters brought together by one name, Jesus, and willing to care for each other sacrificially. 
If a world sees a church who don't even look after those in it, they'll question if we really care about them. If they'll be looked after and cared for if they walk through these doors. But what if they see a church that sacrificially loves each other? What a difference that could make. So how do we care for each other? Well, the passage tells us, firstly, be at peace among yourselves. Is there anything breaking the peace this morning? Is there anything causing bitterness or anger between any of us here today? Don't let it linger anymore. Address it. Forgive each other. And let peace reign in this church. Secondly, warn the lazy. Are you lazy? Are you letting everyone else do the hard work of the church and abusing other people's kindness and generosity? Are you being irresponsible with the gifts that God's given you to build up the church with? I'm from a uh, family where I grew up with five, five of us kids. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a very busy household. And uh, growing up, my parents were keen for us, each of us, to have a role in the, just the daily life of our house. That whether it was hoovering, oh, excuse me, whether it was hoovering, I'll just move that down, is that all right? All right, sorry about that. Whether it's hoovering, oh, it's still there. Whether it's hoovering, or whether it's mowing the lawn, or whether it's cleaning the bathrooms, or tidying your room, each of us had roles that we had to play to keep the house in order, and to keep it a welcoming place for guests to come in. And a great place for us to relax and just enjoy it. And the church needs each of us playing our part so that we can welcome the guests in and we can enjoy it ourselves. This church needs you to play your part for the sake of the gospel and the sake of the glory of Jesus. Thirdly, comfort the discouraged. The meaning of this word discouraged can be expanded to mean many things including timid, worried, Fearful, inadequate, lacking in confidence, despondent, and sad. I wonder if that describes you this morning at all. I wonder if that's how you're feeling as you've walked in here this morning. Worried, fearful, inadequate, lacking in confidence, despondent, sad. We want to get alongside you. As a church, our role is to get alongside those who are feeling discouraged and comfort them. We want to remind you that you are so loved this morning. You're loved by the God who has shown his incredible love by sending his son on the cross. But you're also loved by a church, by a family. God knows your disappointments and sadness. He knows your emotions and your heart. And he's not running from you, but running towards you with his arms of grace and his heart full of love for you. I wonder if we can just take a moment. Why don't we just close our eyes where we are? If that's you this morning and you're just feeling just discouraged, you're feeling worried, fearful, inadequate, lacking in confidence, despondent and sad, why don't you just reach out to God where you are right now? Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you care deeply, Lord, about every situation here in this room. 
Every person, Lord, you know exactly what's going on. You know the emotions and the heart, Lord, the worries. You know the discouragement. You know the sadness, Lord. Lord, You know the deep sadness. Lord, I pray, come and bring comfort this morning. Holy Spirit, come and draw near to those who really need you right now. Those who are just feeling like just they're lacking. God, I pray, come and fill them. Come and fill, fill them, Lord. Fill our brothers and sisters here this morning, Lord, who are just in need of comfort this morning. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Fourthly, help the weak. The weakness described here could be many things. Maybe you're here this morning, you're physically weak. Maybe you're suffering from sickness. Are you weak when it comes to temptations? Are you struggling just to overcome some sin in your life? Are you feeling weak in faith? Our call this morning is to help those who are weak, to get alongside and care for them, to strengthen them. God's heart, we heard about that right at the beginning, that God wants to come and strengthen us. God's heart for you is that you would know the strength of his church surrounds you and lift you, but also know his Holy Spirit breathe life into you and strength into you. That you wouldn't know judgment this morning, but you'd know grace and strength. Maybe if that's how you're feeling this morning, you can just, maybe at the end of this morning, just turn to someone around you and just say, that was me. Can you just pray for me? I'd just love to know God's strength this morning. Let me read this. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. It says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never grows faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the weary and strengthens the powerless. Youths may faint and grow weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Help the weak. Fifthly, be patient with everyone. When pressure comes, when stress enters in the church, it's easy to lose patience with each other. I find this creeps into my life so easily. Just in our marriage, I find... If we're stressed and if we're busy and with things are going on, patience quickly deteriorates. It quickly leaves. When you face trials as a church, when you face difficulty, when you face persecution, when you face disappointment and hardships, do we have a go at each other? Do we quit the church? No. Be patient with each other. Be patient even in our mistakes. Be patient with each other. Know the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your lives again. Know patience for one another. Paul then goes on to instruct us to care for ourselves. That like in this image of the, an American football team, we need to care for the quarterback. We also need to play for each other and care for each other. With this band of brothers mentality, and we also need to take responsibility for ourselves to make sure we're trained well and we're fit and healthy for the sake of the team. 
Paul writes in verse 15, he says, See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Friends, we have this responsibility for how we care for and treat our leaders. We have a responsibility to care for the needs of others, but we also have a responsibility to care for ourselves. That our actions and our reactions, our emotions and our hearts matter. The church is full of messed up people. There are no perfect people here this morning. The person sitting next to you is as much of a sinner as you are. Paul described himself as the worst of sinners. And that means that there is no perfect church. You won't find it. Not until Jesus returns will it exist. And so mistakes will happen. People will mess up, yeah, even in the church, and we'll get hurt, even in the church. But Paul's writing to tell us that when that happens, we have a responsibility for our actions and our reactions. You can't control how someone else will speak, uh, sorry, you can't control how someone else speaks to you or acts towards you, but you can absolutely control the way you treat them and respond to them yourself. Are you quick to snap back when others say things you don't like? If the leaders here make decisions to change things that you don't like, do you speak negatively about them to others? Paul's encouragement is that we pursue what is good for one another. That we actively look to build up and pursue what is good for each other. Friends, take care of your heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Above all else, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Don't let bitterness take root in your heart. Keep a clear conscience with each other. Train yourself to let disappointment leave quickly. The church should be the most caring community in the world. The most caring community in this town. The church has the potential to to display such love towards others. Such love for each other. Such love towards its leaders. That is so different from the way that the world works. You know this church. Harvest Church here in Alton. Has the potential to care in such a way. That others look on and see Jesus in you. That you point people towards him. How can we care for each other with such love? How can we show each other such love? It's because we've received this incredible love from Jesus. We've received this incredible love because of Jesus' death on the cross. God's love was displayed on the cross for us. And out of the overflow of the love that we receive from God, we get to share it with others. It, It just bubbles up and overflows into the lives of others around us. I asked the question at this morning if anyone cared for you. And the answer is a resounding yes. God cares deeply about you. And so he's given you the church. He cares about your life. So he's given you leaders to shepherd you and to take care of you. God's desire is that you would be a part of a church that you would not only be cared for, but you'd get to care for others as well. God wants to use you to care for others Right here in this building, in this town that you live in. God's got people he wants to use you to care for. 
Maybe you're new this morning and you've only been coming a little while and you're just checking all of this out to see what it's all about. I believe that God would put a passage on my heart for you this morning and it's in the, I put a uh, thing, like a little divider in there earlier but I lost it but we're back there. Lamentations 3. It says this, Lamentations 3 verse 22. It says, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies, they never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. You are loved and cared for by the living God. So loved that he gave his son Jesus to die for you, to display his eternal love and care for you. That he doesn't want you living in discouragement, but he wants you to be filled with purpose and joy for life, knowing peace. My encouragement to you is to, like those verses say, put your hope in God. That as you're sitting here this morning, does God really care? Put your hope in him. He cares deeply about you. He's put people around you, even this morning, who care about you. Maybe you just, your response this morning is just to speak to the person who brought you or speak to one of the leaders here and just say, that that was me. I just, I need to put my hope in Jesus today. Don't let today pass you by, but you can know peace and joy in Jesus. God wants all of us to know his great care for us, that we would care for others with the care and love that he's shown us. Let me pray, and I'm going to hand back over to Andrew. Lord, we thank you for your amazing love displayed on the cross. Lord, we thank you that you care deeply about us. Thank you, Lord, for your church. Lord, thank you for putting us in, into your church. Thank you for this church right here, Lord. It's such a privilege to be here, Lord. And I pray your blessing upon this church, Lord. Harvest Alton Church, Lord. I pray, God, would you bless it. Lord, I pray that you join hearts together. Lord, I pray that this would be one body of many parts, Lord God, where as people go into their workplaces, as people go into their families, as they spread out around this town, Lord, the whole body goes with them. Lord Jesus, that, that this would be a church that cares deeply about each other, that cares for its leaders and they take responsibility themselves for their own actions as well, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord, we need your grace. God, we need your grace upon our lives. We need your grace upon this church. And so, Lord, I pray, fill us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Draw us nearer and nearer to you, Lord God. We pray, Lord, let us know your comfort and let us know your love afresh this morning up, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.